Good morning, everyone. So this is what it feels like to go to an 8 a.m. service. Kind of. How many of you know God has called us to reach our city? And how many of you know it's impossible for one church to reach the city all by itself? How many of you know it's going to take all the churches in Omaha to be light in this world, to be salt of the earth? The good news is many churches in Omaha, Nebraska are coming together to accomplish the mission of Jesus of reaching of reaching Omaha for Christ. There is a citywide movement that is taking place. You don't see it. It's like happening under the surface, but you're about ready to experience it. This citywide movement that's beginning in our city is called within reach. It's called within reach because we believe that as churches come together all across this city and begin working together, that this city is then within reach. How many of you say amen? Amen. And the churches that have come together, there's 35 churches that have made a commitment to a strategy over the next three years. And this three year strategy involves this reach someone plant something, extend compassion, and let's do a citywide outreach together. Now, beginning on Easter Sunday, just a few weeks from now, we are beginning a citywide outreach together. 35 churches launching on Easter Sunday are going to begin preaching a five-week series, and the series that we'll be preaching is called Everybody Wins. The outreach that will take place all across this city for five weeks is called Everybody Wins. Now, it's a hope-filled theme, Everybody Wins, and it's designed to build bridges to a culture that has become skeptical of the church. Everybody wins. Well, is that what the Bible says? Well, that depends on what you do, right? But we want to communicate to our community... This big idea and the big idea is that everyone in our city wins when churches come together to love our city. Everybody wins when marriages are restored. Everybody wins when racial barriers are smashed. Everybody wins when people connect with God. And so this this is a this is a great thing that God is doing in our city. This everybody wins sermon series That includes all of these churches will begin, like I said, on Easter Sunday. And on Easter Sunday, I'm going to preach a message entitled, When Death Dies, Everybody Wins. When Death Dies, Everybody Wins. Following that will be four weeks of messages that will be focused on reaching the lost. And we're going to give all of you opportunities to compel them to come in over those four weeks. And we just believe there's going to be a great harvest in Omaha. Here's a sneak peek of what those four series, those four messages are going to look like in the month of April.
That's my kind of music right there. <laughs> so beginning today, we actually begin this, this massive marketing campaign launch, if you will, for Everybody Wins. And beginning today, you're going to see 19 massive billboards covering 90% of our city. And those billboards are going to say, Everybody Wins. It's going to say things, when, when marriages are restored, everybody wins. When the poor are taken care of, everybody wins. When people connect with God, everybody wins. And not only that, but everybody wins is going to be on every radio station in Omaha, Nebraska. Everybody wins is going viral. It's going viral through videos. It's going viral through social media. And all those communication pieces are going to direct people to a central website which is everybodywins.net. And when people go to everybodywins.net, they're going to see a list of all the participating churches, a link to their website, and a list of what their compassion project is. See, every church is, is saying, you know what, we just don't want to invite people to our church. We want to go out into the city and we want to love our city. And so everybody, every, every church has identified a compassion project and our compassion project here at Glad Tidings Church is the international community. We're embracing the international community. And over the next three years, we want to do it like we've never done it before. Everybodywins.net. They're going to, this is um, um, really important because as people go to this everybodywins.net website, they're going to go, oh, wow, look what's going on at Glad Tidings. I want to be part of that. And they'll be coming to Glad Tidings, Lord willing, over those next few weeks. So this is going to be five great weeks beginning Easter Sunday of gospel saturation all across our city. We believe it's time for the spiritual and the evangelistic temperature to rise in our city. And we know that we can't do it alone. So we're partnering with 35 other churches. And if you want to know what those churches are, go to everybodywins.net and you'll see all those other participating churches. Next Sunday, we're doing something crazy. We're calling it the uh, Crayon the Car event. Crayon the Car. What's that all about? We're taking erasable markers to the backs of every car. With your permission, of course. <laughs> and we're going to write on the backs of all those cars with permission, everybodywins.net. Now listen, if all these participating churches do this, we could have about 15,000 driving billboards all across this city. Is that cool or what? At every intersection in our city, there's going to be a car that says everybodywins.net. In every neighborhood, right? In your driveway, when you will send markers home with you and you can all 10 of your cars. Everybodywins.net. All over the city. And what's going to happen is people are going to go, what's that all about? Billboards, radio, on cars. And they're going to go to what? everybodywins.net, and they're going to find out that the Church of Omaha is coming together to love Omaha. Is that awesome or what? So in your bulletin, you'll notice a card that has the face of glad tidings on it. It says, everybody wins. You might find your lovely face on there. On the other side, the back side, it says Easter Sunday. So what is this? This is an invitation piece. 
that you can use to invite your friends or whoever you come in contact with for the next two weeks to invite them to Easter Sunday, okay? Now, here's what I would do, and this is what I'm going to do, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, You run into somebody and you go, can you believe, this is how you invite them, can you believe spring is finally here? Oh, I know, isn't that great? That means Easter is just around the corner. What kind of plans have you made for Easter? Do you have any plans for Easter to celebrate? Well, no, not really. Well, hey, we're doing something great at our church. I want to invite you, hand them the card, to our Easter Sunday services. Has all the information on here. You can say, you know what? Glad Tidings is a great place because it's, it's a multicultural, international church, and it's good news for all people. And we'd love for you to come. Our kids' ministry is incredible. They're having a huge, massive Easter egg hunt. Uh, our worship and music experience is, is, is the best in the city. Now, I don't know if that's true, but this is all I know, and I think it's the best in the city. Our pastor is going to be preaching a series starting on Easter called Everybody Wins. And he's going to talk about how you can win in this life. That's going to be awesome. And so take as many of these cards as you need. We've got more of them back at the information center. This is your little ticket to give to people for Easter. Uh, I'm excited. I I really believe that we've been preparing and equipping, preparing and equipping for a season of influence. And I believe the season of influence is now upon us. It's upon us. And he has called us. God has called us to go out and compel them to come into his kingdom. We are expecting a harvest. I don't know what you're expecting. We're expecting a harvest and we're getting ready for that harvest. One of the things that God has really convicted me about is, is, is about water baptism. And the Bible says that we are to repent and be baptized. And we baptize here once a quarter. And I begin to think that's not enough. We need to do this at least once a month. So beginning in, in April, the week after Easter, we're going to have baptism. The week after Easter. We had 60 people saved a couple weeks ago. I don't know how many are going to get saved at Easter, but the week after Easter, we're going to have baptism. Four weeks later, we're going to have baptism again. We're going to do baptism every month because we believe that God is bringing harvest in. And we want to emphasize, listen, if you have recently got saved, the first step of obedience when you get saved is to get baptized. It's that baptism doesn't save you. It's just a testimony that you have been saved. It's a testimony that your old life has died and now you have a new life in Jesus Christ. It's a testimony that your sins have been washed away and you are clean now. That you belong to God. And if you haven't taken that step of obedience, that step of testimony, you need to pick up a baptism card at the info center and get ready for April 3rd, our first baptism right after Easter. We're getting ready for harvest. It sounds to me like this is a great time to launch a third service. What do you think? Great time to launch a third service. And of course, as you know, on Easter Sunday, we will be launching three services. The first will be at 8 a.m., the second at 930 and the last service at 1115. Now, to accomplish this massive undertaking of starting a third service, uh, we need 182 people to to join a ministry team. And we're about halfway there. Last week was a phenomenal weekend of people getting signed up and saying, Pastor, I'm all in. And we need a phenomenal response again this weekend. And we're asking, this is what we're asking. We're asking those of you in the 9 o'clock service, we're asking 300 of you to commit to going to the 8 o'clock service. 
Okay, there's probably about five, six hundred here. We're looking for 300 of you to sit in that first service. And we're looking for 182 of you to serve during that first service. So we're asking you to come an hour earlier than you normally do. How many of you know Jesus and lost people are worth an hour? We're asking you to come an hour earlier to either sit or to serve for us to get this mission accomplished. You know, I was once, I was once asked the question, I, saw, I heard somebody ask the question, do you know the difference between going to a restaurant and, and going to dinner at your mom's house? The difference between going to a restaurant and going to your mom, what's the difference? Well, when you go to a restaurant, right, you don't have to do anything. You just sit there. And you eat and you can complain about it if you don't like it. Right? You can say, you know, I don't like these mashed potatoes. And you can say the gravy is is too salty and I'd like a comment card, please. Right? But when you go home, you can't do that. Right? You go home and complain right to your mother. Your father's going to do something to you. That's how it works. When you go home and, and you just sit down and plop down at the table and just waiting for dinner to show up. What's mama going to say? Get your tail off that seat and get in this kitchen and help me, right? You're part of the family, right? After dinner, you don't just get up and walk away from your plate and go to your room and play video games. And I hope you don't play video games when you're 55 years old. That's okay though, right? No, they're going to say, hey, where are you going? Get back here and sit down. Wait till we're all finished. And then when you're done, you scrape off your plate, right? And you put your dish in the dishwasher. That's what we do in our house or something close to that sometimes, Right. Why do we do that? Right. What's the difference between a restaurant and a family In a family? Everybody serves. Listen, if you don't feel like you're part of the family here at Glad Tidings, get up from the table and start serving and start serving. And you will start feeling like, you know what? This is home. This is home. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. Last week, I preached a message about how greatness is found in serving and not in being served. But I want you to know this morning that just as much as greatness can be found, greatness can be lost. Revelation chapter two, verse one is about this church called the church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus, we we learn if you go back to Ephesians chapter one of the church in Ephesus was a great church. It was a growing church. It was a big church. It was a great church, but it wasn't great because it was big in size. It was great because it had a, a big heart. It was great because the church in Ephesus just loved God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. And they loved their neighbor as themselves. They were a great church because they loved God and they loved people. But something happened to this church. Something very tragic happened. In fact, it was so tragic and it was so important that Jesus had the Apostle John actually write it down so you and I could read about it today. And here's what happened. John, in a vision, saw Jesus. And he saw Jesus walking among these churches And these churches are described as as these lampstands. And Jesus is walking among these seven lampstands or these seven churches. And he's talking to these churches. And I want you to hear Jesus talking to Glad Tidings Church this morning as we read this. 
In Revelation 2.1, it says this in the New Living Translation. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. And I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. And you have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Verse four. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. And we'll stop there this morning. See, greatness can be found, but greatness can also be lost. And greatness is not lost when we stop serving. Greatness is lost when we stop loving. Greatness is not lost when we stop serving. Greatness is lost when we stop loving. See, the church in Ephesus was was serving and they were serving very well. They were they were even suffering in their serving, the Bible says. But the problem is, is they lost the heart Behind the serve. Jesus said, I've seen your your works. You're working hard. I've seen you serving hard. But they lost the why. They lost the why they were serving. They lost the heart behind the serving. And they had they they left or lost their love for God and for people. How many of you know God not only cares about what you're doing, but why you're doing it? He wants you doing the right thing, but he wants you doing the right thing for the right reasons. See, you can serve without loving, but you can't love without serving. And Jesus is pointing this great church that was a serving church. He was pointing them back to, listen, listen, you have to get back to the reason why you serve. In fact, he said, if you don't get back to the reason why you serve, the heart of serving, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to remove your influence from the earth. What happened to this church in Ephesus? Duty and sound doctrine took the place of desire for God. Sometimes we do things out of duty. I understand that. Sometimes we, we, we preserve sound doctrine and we should do that. But the most important thing is we have to preserve our desire for God. Churches don't die because they've lost their doctrine. They don't die because they've lost their faith. Churches die because they've lost their love. And you might say, Pastor, I'm not sure I quite see that in Scripture. The Apostle Paul said this in, 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 in my words this morning, and you can look at it. The greatest thing you possess is not your faith. The greatest thing you possess is your love. And the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, these three remain faith, hope 
and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest commandment is what? Serve? No. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Why is love the greatest? I was meditating. Oh God, why is love the greatest? And I began to think about Scripture and all through the Word of God from the beginning of Genesis to the end to Revelation. The reason why love is the greatest is this, because love is what compels God toward us. For God so loved the world that He gave, right? See, love is what compels God towards us And love is what compels us towards God. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to love is the greatest because love is what motivated God to come after you. And love is what motivates us to come after God. It's the kindness of God that compels us. See, faith doesn't compel people to faith. Love compels people to faith. Jesus, he loved people to faith in him. He would heal them first, didn't he? He would feed them first, didn't he? He would deliver them first. This is weird. And even at times he would forgive them first. And then they would put their faith in him. Surely he must be the son of God. Oftentimes we want to share our faith first. Have you been out to share your faith with anybody? But Paul said this. He said, you've got it backwards. First love. Love brings them to hope. Hope brings them to faith. Right? We talk about how to share faith. Let's talk about how do we share love? How do we extend compassion to our city? Let's not convince them to join our team. Let's display the love of Jesus to them in such a clear, compelling way that they go, surely there's a God in heaven that loves me. See, God is not so much interested in what's in your head as is what's in your heart. And I have discovered that people are not much different. And you've heard the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when they know how much you care, they want to know what you know. The church in Ephesus, they became a resounding gong. How many of you are old enough to remember the old gong show? Huh? Google it, young teenagers. The gong show. I love that. You know, it's this, this sound, you know, and. And Paul said, it, it, without love, you become this, this resounding gong and this gang, clanging cymbal. Just, just imagine worship just with cymbals every day. Just right. They became this resounding gong. Why is that? They became a resounding gong. Nobody wanted to listen to them. I don't want to listen to that all day. Right. Why? The reason they became this resounding gong nobody wanted to listen to was because they became more known for what they hated than what they loved. It's very clear from the text that they, be, they were good haters, but terrible lovers. They were known for what they hated. Everybody knows they hate the practice of the Nicolaitans. 
Everybody knows about that. Everybody knows how sound in doctrine they are and how good they are exposing false prophets and apostles. Everybody knows what they hate, but nobody knew what the church in Ephesus loved anymore. Listen, I don't want to be the church that's known for what they hate. I want to be the church that's known for what we love. We love God. We love people. And we, we know we hate sin. That does not change. It will always be. See, when you love something like your children, then you'll hate anything that hurts them. Jesus, in other words, said to them, I love your doctrine, but I don't love your love. And you've left something. They didn't lose something. They left something. Some uh, translations say that um, they forsake their first love. Others, they left their first love. See, left is volitional. Lost is accidental. And they intentionally, volitionally, they left something. They left this first love. Jesus said in the last days, he said this, the love of many, he said, will wax cold. The love of many will wax cold. This is what happened to that church in Ephesus. They had lost their fire. They had lost their passion for God. And at first, the wax is still soft and pliable, but then the wax grows cold. Like the heart, at first it's it's still warm, you know. There's, you know, it's not hot, but it's it's warm. and then it, and then it waxes cold. And Jesus said, in the last day, that's what last day lovers would be like. It would be like their heart; it, it, it grows, it waxes cold, like a candle that's been that's been snuffed out or blown out. That wax eventually will become cold. And and perhaps you're here this morning, and you, and you feel like you're like this candle that. You once burned hot with love for God. And you, you once prayed for people who were lost and you once reached out to lost people. But but now you just kind of you're in your own little world now. You, you're really not loving God like you used to or loving people like you used to. And and, and the wax has grown cold for you. And Jesus said this. He said, if you don't return If you don't return, if you don't light that fire again, I will remove your lampstand from its place. Well, we'll fix that later. <laughs> I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> so, so this is what happens. <laughs> Listen carefully. Jesus said, if you don't rekindle that fire, what I'll do is I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. He didn't say I'm going to remove you. He said, I'm going to remove your stand. I'm going to take you from a place of of elevation and a place of influence to a place where you no longer have influence, where you no longer are the light of the world. You cannot be seen anymore. See, when you lose your love, you lose your influence. 
Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take you. He said, I'm going to take your stand away, but I'm not going to take you away. You're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to lose your influence. You're going to go to heaven, but you're not going to take anybody with you. Right? You're going to continue to serve like the church of Ephesus. But you're serving out of guilt. You're serving out of, for the wrong reasons. And you can serve, serve, serve. But man, if you don't have God's heart when you serve, there's no influence. There's no fruit. Right? Some of you need to light the fire again. How do you do that? Jesus said, you do the things you did at first. Joni, go grab me another candle, would you? You do the things because we're not going to let this thing die. We got to light this fire again. Some of you need to do the things that you did at first. That's what Jesus said. And what does that mean? I don't know about you, but I've been in love before. (laughs) Right? I'd stay up late. Listen, when I first got saved. We had Wednesday night church and and that Wednesday night we had our youth service and after youth service we had we had training and we had prayer and my parents, I don't I don't know why they let us do this. It was a school night. This is a big no, no parents. I was a teenager and I would be at the church till midnight, one o'clock in the morning in these prayer meetings. And then I'd go home and I'd get home at 1.30 and I'd have to be up at 6.30 or 7 and then off to school. And I was tired, but I didn't care because I was in love. When I first met my wife, you know, back in high school and we were dating and courting and we'd be on the phone for hours. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, go back and do the things that you did at first. Start those conversations again. Start those conversations again. That's what prayer is, isn't it? And sometimes what we have to do is we have to get back to the place. Thank you. We have to get back to the place where we start having those conversations with God. And we say, you know what? God, I'm going to become so transparent with you again, so honest with you again. I'm not going to let anything put out that fire again. And some of you, you just need to get back to that place and just start having those conversations with God again. And that's how that's what you return to. That's what you return to. And David, he said, you know, I just can't wait to get alone and be with God. And when you do, and you go back to those prayer meetings and you go back to that prayer closet and then God, he, he puts that stand back underneath you and he gives you that place of elevation. He gives you that place of influence once again. Love makes us do crazy things. And I'm going to wrap things up here. Worship team, if you would come. Love makes us do crazy things, doesn't it? <laughs> and one of the crazy things that love makes us do is it, it makes us serve in ways we would never serve. Love makes you get up an hour earlier on a Sunday morning and says, you know what? It's not about me. I love God so much and I love people so much. I love it more than I love an extra hour of sleep. 
I'm willing to go to an eight o'clock service so I can sit or serve there and then and then to the nine thirty service so I can sit or serve there. Why? Not because I want to be great. It's because I'm in love. The Bible says that Jacob, he he loved. He loved Rachel. And his father in law says, that's great that you love Rachel, but you're going to have to show me how bad you want her. So so Jacob's father-in-law made him work, made him serve for seven years for Rachel. But the Bible says Jacob felt like it was only one day. It was only one. It was nothing. It was just like a day's work. Seven days, seven years was like just one day because he loved her so much. I don't know about you, but man, I don't want to serve out of duty. I don't want to do three services because, boy, you know, I guess that's what we have to do, you know, because that's what we have to do. I want it to be a want to do. I want to be a desire for me and a desire for you more than anything else. See, when you're in love, everybody knows it and you do crazy things. Why do I serve? It's because I'm in love. The Bible says God is love. God is love. I'm in love. I'm in God and God is in me. I am in love in that way. People come to me and they say, hey, pastor, um, they, this is this is crazy. They come to me and they say, hey, pastor, you look like a runner. Do you run? And I say, yes, I do. And they say, oh, let, let me tell you my here's here's what I see. And they say, I see people out running and, and I, I notice the look on their face when they're running. And it's always this this face of pain when they're running. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've never seen anybody out there looks like they're having fun. That's why I don't run. That's what they say. That's why I don't run. And I say, yeah, but do you, have you seen their face the rest of the day? They're some of the happiest, healthiest people in the world. See, the reason I run is not because I love running. The, least, the reason I run is because I'm in love. I'm in love with God and my wife and my children and what God has asked me to do on this earth. And I know that I can't love him in that way if I'm six feet under. And that's why I run. And that's the truth. See, everybody does something because they're in love. I don't love running. And if you do, get your head checked out. All right. See, everybody does crazy things because they're in love. You know, our worship team is, they're getting ready to, to, to get here at 6.45 on a Sunday morning to, for an 8 o'clock service. That's crazy love. They're not doing it because they want to be great. They're doing it because they're in love with God and they're in love with people. And they're like, God, you know what? I want to do this because I love you, not because I have to. And Carissa has asked and Pastor Walt has asked. God, I'm in love with you and I want to serve you with all my heart, with all my soul and with all my strength. Passion. Passion literally means pain. Passion is about suffering for what you love. It's about suffering for what you love. And I've I've learned this about lovers. Lovers know how to push through pain. Lovers know how to push through pain. Does it require more of us? Yes, it does. But lovers push through the pain because they're in love. So this is where love gets really practical. I want you to pull out the, the team link card, if you would, this morning. It's in your bulletin. 
we're going to close the service with, with this great chorus. And some of you are going to be, Pastor, you know what? I've let the flame go out and I want to rekindle that flame. And you might be here and you're like, you know what? I serve all the time, but I'm grumpy about it. <laughs> I'm a reluctant server. You understand what I'm saying? Or you know what? I'm just doing it out of duty or I'm doing it out of guilt, but I want to do it out of a strong love for God. I want to rekindle that flame. I want to start those conversations with God again. If that's you, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. But for for everybody else here this morning, I want you to look at this card. And I want you to just look at all the opportunities to serve. No guilt here. This is love. Out of love. Out of love. You may be serving on a Wednesday night already or leading a small group, but you're saying, you know what? I can can make an 8 a.m. commitment on a Sunday morning. I'm already serving here. I'm already serving there, but I want to serve over here for 8 a.m. Maybe that's your response. Or I want to serve over here at 930 and sit in 8 a.m. Okay. If that's you, just fill that out. Maybe you've never served it. We had over 70 people last week sign up who've never served at Glad Tidings. That's incredible. That's amazing. I'd like to see another 70, 80, 90 people this weekend say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not serving right now. I'm sitting at the table waiting for dinner to be given to me. I'm at the restaurant, but I want to treat this place like it's home. I'm ready to serve. Sign me up, Pastor. Fill out this card. And what you're going to do is right after this service, you're going to step over into Team Link, which is right across the hall in rooms 201, 202, and 203. You're going to take this card with you. They're going to take that card and direct you to the table of the ministry that you've chosen. And there you'll get a ministry team application. You'll get information about when you can serve. And we're going to get this thing done. How many of you believe that our city is within reach? It's within reach. It's within reach. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to to allow you to examine our hearts. We don't want to just serve because that's what servants do. We want to serve like lovers, God. We we don't want our influence removed, God. We want our hearts full and, and on fire for you, God. So do that this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just a reminder, your kids are well taken care of. You don't need to pick them up first. Go directly to Team Link this morning. Those of you who want to just sit here and have that conversation with God and rekindle that flame, you can do that. Our prayer workers will also come to this altar. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, or if you need to get right with God today, you know your sin has separated you from God. You're in the right place today. Allow one of our prayer workers to pray with you. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.